Alex. And I'm Val. And we're here to talk about Sopranos and wrap up season two. Wow. Wow. Fun house. What a fun house. What a fun house. Mm-hmm. It was a great episode. Has... Lots of things happening. Lots of dreams. So many dreams. Sometimes you don't even know they're dreams. It's true. I counted seven dreams. I, one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. I counted six. But I think I counted the one where we like we have a cutscene of Tony in between, but he's still asleep. So I think I counted that as just one dream. Okay, got it. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, a lot. I feel like it's a pretty revolutionary episode of television. I feel like... <laughs> Perhaps more than it actually like pushes the plot of this series forward, it just completely changes TV by all the chances it takes and what it's putting into the medium. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I find it one of the most memorable episodes of the whole series. I always remember this one. Me too. Um, whenever I see fish, mm-hmm. it always makes me think of this one. Whenever, Not like in my life. Like whenever you see a fish in your no. life. No, <laughs> <laughs> but like when I'm watching this show. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> and there's so much, actually. There's so many instances of foreshadowing in this episode hmm. before we get to the actual murder of Pussy. I was actually writing a lot of them down. What do you mean by foreshadowing? Well, good point. But there, there's a lot of use of their symbols to imply that something is coming once we can kind of like totally. look back on this episode Yeah. with, you know, hindsight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is really interesting just that they use dreams. Like, the only reason why Tony knows to go to Pussy's house to see if he's a rat is because of these dreams, right? So it gives a lot of credit to dreams. And psychotherapy gives a lot of credit to dreams also, right? You think about, like, Freudian. I mean, obviously, like, Melfi is a current... 20th century psychiatrist yeah. but she comes from that tradition of like right. dream analysis and yeah. stuff like that David Chase says oh, this show is about psychology and also oh. how he was just like miserable about the fact that they were going to have to do this procedural and Tony was going to find out that pussy was a rat and how are they going to do it and someone's going to show him or something and he was just like I just don't want to do any of that shit and so they just completely get rid of it and it just happens and again we've seen this earlier on in the show where the subconscious actually brings out some of the most important plot developments of the entire you know story. And there's a few even that happen in this episode. Not only does Tony find out that Pussy is a rat, we also find out that Meadow is going to Columbia, which for her character is maybe like one of the biggest plot points for her you know character arc so far. Is that confirmed after the dream? Does she like... In this episode? Yeah. No, it's confirmed later on when she goes to Columbia. Spoiler. Spoiler. Meadow goes to Columbia. They did tell you. It was real. (laughs) I'm sorry. I hope I didn't ruin the show by confirming the dream sequence. But there is definitely like... There's a lot of value that's given to the subconscious. And there's a lot of value that's given to what happens in dreams in this show. And it's interesting that they use that as an opportunity to actually, like, propel things forward. It's, like, kind of, like, the opposite of what we expect of very, like, literal or Mm -hmm. real-world things happening to make things occur. Mm -hmm. It's actually all existing within Tony's subconscious. Right. Um, Do you want to talk about the dreams? Well, why don't I just go through? I mean, it was 
making me think about like all these instances of things that are showing up like up until they kill pussy these things that they're kind of like associating with it yep so obviously there's a pretty profound connection to water and the ocean right in this episode and that's actually where the episode ends mm-hmm. that's the very last scene we have through and through the rolling stones song comes back we have this montage um you know of, of tony and the family event and then all the people who are impacted are by, impacted yeah. by their acts by Not his actions all the people but yeah but we have dave scatino we have hallel at the you know at the shylock operation we have the person going out selling calling cards um to more vulnerable members of society they even like explicitly say this that they're you know like selling it to immigrants because it's like something that they need but then abusing them and basically they will be shutting this down on them so profiting at the loss of others yeah and then we see tony with a cigar which, you know, is him kind of in control in this moment as much as he can be. We also saw, sorry, an adult film, like... That's right. Theater, which yeah. I don't know what that was about. We also saw a poker game. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. So, again, I mean, connected to their operations and... Oh, know, and some trash. Them, them profiting. Yeah, trash. <laughs> some garbage. It's yeah. garbage boom times. But the very last scene... The, sorry, the very last shot is of the ocean. Yes. And I feel like, for me, there's something impending. There's something coming. Like, there's something more eternal. We talked about a lot in the first season about the greenery and the mm-hmm. woods and this, like, idea of the afterlife and these more kind of like important cosmic questions that are always there. Yeah. And now there's this very strong connection to water. And I think the last scene is really like, it still exists and I feel like something's coming for Tony. Despite the fact that he's impacted all these other people and he's benefiting and it's positive for him and his family, I feel like there's something bigger than all of them that still exists right. and is waiting out there. Well, on a really basic level, right, we're left at the end of this season with this arrest of Tony, like, or whatever, yeah. by the FBI, um, kind of pending, yeah. right? Like, we don't, he gets out on bail. Um, we don't have any sense of what's going to happen with that. So we're left kind of on a, a cliffhanger of, a of sorts. Um with that yeah and so maybe like that you know something bigger is coming yeah maybe yeah um but i think also too like it is that kind of it doesn't it could be any one of these things that he's involved in that he could be in trouble for right so like it could be the calling cards it could be these plane tickets yeah um yeah, I, I wanted, I don't know. I don't know, like, I the part where he gives Livia the ticket and then when he's saying, like, to Melfi, like, to Melfi? That he, like, you know, he knew, like, he, that, or that's where he messed it all up. No, it wasn't to, Mel- to Melfi. No, I think, it, I think was it, it was. Yeah, I think so. Um, That, like, that's where he, like, he made this mistake, no, right? right? No, it wasn't anyway, Melfi. That's okay. He says um, But, like, that's where he messed it up, right? He was just, like, he had to give her that ticket. He didn't have any... Right. Like, he was so angry. If he had just listened for a little bit longer to her saying, right. you know. Yeah, um, that's right. If he so. had just been able to put up with it. It's interesting, too, how he's, again, it's a, such a great example of Tony being completely unable to accept responsibility for his actions. So immediately that turns into, Jesus Christ, how hard is it to get on an airplane? Yeah. Where he's given her a stolen ticket and is responsible for her getting arrested. Then 
He gets arrested, so obviously he's implicated in this, like, right after he says that. And then shortly after, you know, he's saying to Melfi, you'd think she wasn't married to Johnny Soprano. Yeah. So he has so, you know, he has so many ways to basically, like, pass the blame to Livia for something that she's completely just a victim of in this case. Yeah. Well, we also have in that, like, in that scene, it's the one time that Melfi, I mean, she tries to push Tony, right? She even says, like... At some point, I became afraid of you. And yeah. so, like, she hasn't pushed him far enough. Yeah. But she says the thing about his dad, right? Like, she's like, well, what about him? He didn't protect you yeah. from your, you know, whatever yeah. she called her borderline mother, right? Yeah. Um, that was interesting. And then she goes on to, like, pick up, like, she says, like, I pick up sorrow, right? I mm-hmm. pick up grief. Let's stay with grief. And he can't, like, Tony is incapable of kind of staying with that. He always needs to find some way to, like, get... Like, not, you know, like, high's the wrong word, but, like, we often see him, like, when he's dealing with these moments of intense sorrow, which I he is over the death of Pussy. Yeah. That he can't stay there. He has to kind of turn on this, like, childish, he's, yeah. like, laughing at her, being yeah. like, oh, boo-hoo, poor yeah. me. Like, he starts Playing to, with like... his feet, singing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, I don't know, I think that's important too. Like he is, he struggles to exist within these moments Yeah. where it would be helpful to delve further into them. Yeah. But he just can't stay yeah. there. Also know. regarding um, actually addressing Johnny and his role as a father, it was interesting because when he's being escorted out by the FBI and Meadow comes home, mm. he says to her, I'll be back in a few hours, which is pretty much mm. exactly what Johnny says in the episode Down Neck. I forgot about in that. In the first season. Yeah. So there's, again, this kind of, like, cycle of he's doing all the same things that, that Johnny did as a father. And right. clearly there's an impact of that. Right. Yeah. Um. Well, let me go through. There's, I mean, there's was, there was so many things that I was just kind of keeping track of. Because, of, you know, we were talking about water, and that's where the season ends up. But, you know, there's so many things that are linking to fish and water. And we've talked a lot about bridges, which are obviously over water most of the time that they're using them. Mm-hmm. But... You know, we start off the episode at this Indian restaurant. Immediately, there's this, like, focus on a plate of fish, like a giant fish that's coming out. Mm-hmm. And then they actually move from that to Pussy, who we see. So they're kind of linking them. And then shortly after that scene, we go to just a shot of a bridge over water, right? Hmm. So, and I mean, it's just, I mean, also, like, just the the foreshadowing again in different scenes showing that something is probably going to happen to Pussy are a lot. While they're at Vesuvio's. I have here in my notes, it's a little hard to read, but I think all my enemies are smoked. He's talking about how Richie's gone and, you know, like things are good. And then there's immediately a cut to pussy laughing. So, you know, there was like that scene earlier uh, in the season where they're saying our true enemy is yet to reveal himself. And yet, and that, then there's that an was edit. still in a dream. An, well, no, I know, but it already happened earlier in the season very slyly where... Um, Sill is saying our true enemy has yet to reveal himself near the beginning of this season and then there's an edit to Pussy right I forgot about that one yeah so again that's another example that I have here that actually happens in the dream in the first dream yeah we have Tony in front of you know the first thing saltwater taffy he's on the boardwalk obviously there's wind by the ocean yeah there's wind we have creaking dock sounds which I'm going to talk about in a second yeah we talk about um you know, they talk about like his terminal diagnosis. So again, he has like till this... September fifth. <laughs> September fifth. Yeah. But you know, there's uh, there's this link of like this terminal disease to the things that are happening around. In the second dream, 
we have seagull sounds that start off, yeah. right? Waves, wind, seagulls, dock sounds. Yeah. That's what I wrote down. Um, yeah, we have in the uh, sixth stream is, you know, where, of course, we have Pussy as the fish. And he's talking to the fish. So, again, you know, that's really making it quite clear. We, well, we also have even go back before that. We have the, well, for me, I think it's the fourth dream. Yeah. Where there's a, in a car, he's, right? No, oh, um, where numbers. he's in Melfi's office, right? And there's the the dock creaking noises are happening, even though they're in right. her office. Um, the one where it's mixed up between like Melfi and Annalisa. No, even after that, it's when they have sex. When when Tony and Melfi oh, have sex. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. and they talk about like pussy. He's the one who was almost carried off by ducks. Right. Yeah. I have in the seventh dream. It's about you know, we should have you know, like lined so, up our yeah. dreams before doing <laughs> this because okay. I think we nonetheless them. There's, a, there's a there's a lot of dreams. Um, so, but you know, but yeah, the, the one yeah. after that, I have seagulls, fish. Yeah, and well, it's when pussy is the fish, right? So like he says, swimming works every muscle in your body. Yeah, four dollars a pound. Um, these guys beside me, they're asleep, which is a reference to sleeping with the fishes, right? Yeah. And so in the last, yeah, in the last stream too, we have, he's talking about, you know, like I bought a boat 50 footer, which is right before the Columbia plot point. Um, yes. And okay. So now free, we're free falling is playing in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Where it gets interesting is what, you know, what you just said, actually, this um, sleeping with the fishes, which is a reference to Godfather one, the Luca Brasi scene, right. but, you know, the fish ascent, which is also a reference in this show to, in I dream of Jeannie Cusimano, where Tony, you know, pulls the gun out of the fish, right? When he's going, sure. when we were talking in that one about like the three villains, villain one, two, right, three, and right, he pulls right, right. the gun. Anyway, um, Chucky Signore, when he kills him. Yes. Anyway, where this gets really interesting is from watching Godfather 2, and perhaps if I name somebody and something that happens to them, if you really don't want to have a Godfather 2 spoiler, you should just press fast forward one time, but. Um, the scene near the end with Fredo, and Fredo is about to be killed. There's a few things that I believe, quite confidently, there's a direct quotation, basically, mm. of what's happening in that movie in this episode. Mm-hmm. I so, agree. Yes. And when so, we were watching Godfather 2. I had an epiphany. <laughs> <laughs> you did. So, okay. So, in that scene, we have our character, and... It's right, it's it's on a, basically like a dock on the water. And there's a lot of shots that I think this show, Sopranos, references quite a lot. These shots of somebody like contemplating things out by the water. These, basically, framing a shot where you have somebody and they're basically surrounded by water. Think of maybe like uh, Vin McKazian in the first season when he meets with Tony and he's contemplating out by the water um, at the end of the driveway. If you're thinking, you know, we talked about this in the first season where, like, they go and talk. Think about if you've seen the entire show near the very end, like, Sopranos home movies, shots where, like, Tony is out by the dock. There's these shots that are very Sopranos where you see him basically in a shot where there's, like, a body of water. And you see the character, like, on the very corner. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, what's going on. Now where it gets really interesting is in Godfather 2, they have these creaking dock noises. Yeah, big time. Yeah. And so that is like the sound effect that really is coming into play in this episode. So the creaking yeah. dock noise is like you said, like that's even showing up in 
the therapy dreams. Right. And it's kind of like tying everything together. Again, these like seaside water-based images and sounds that they're using all over the place in this mm-hmm. episode, linking it to death. We've talked all the time about bridges and water linking things to death. We've had Vin McKayzian jumping off a bridge. You know, we've had threats of violence from bridge going back even to the pilot. You know, there's there's really a lot. But I feel like there is actually this direct link to Godfather now, which is really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I, I like how actually, like, Syl, when they're on the boat later to shoot Pussy, he like he's like, what's that sound? He goes right. outside, there's kind of like a boat clanging, creaking yeah. sound. That's when he goes upstairs. Yeah. It's like an excuse. Yeah. Um, so yeah. a link of, yeah, of, of, you know, important characters dying. Yeah. Between those two movies. And I think that it's in some ways like a bit of an homage. It was you, Fredo. That's a great line from that movie. (laughs) (laughs) I love that movie. Um, (laughs) What? um, Okay. There's like so much to talk about here. But one thing that I wanted to talk about was the whole situation with Carmela and her coat. Yeah. And, I mean, weird that we suddenly get Patsy Parisi back. Have we seen him all season? Have we seen him kind of at all before? Like, not really. And then we see him, well, we see him in that scene with the the suit bag that contains the fur coat. But then we see Philly Parisi in the first dream, right? And we think it's Patsy because we just saw Patsy, but it's really Philly. Um, But I think there's something, like, we've talked about themes of, like, animals and like domestication mm-hmm. and being free versus like being jailed or being controlled and i think i think that coat is really symbolic like hmm. we've seen carmela go through some pretty like drastic changes this season yeah. in particular right like she you know we see how she's more complicit than we might have thought or yeah. even she might have thought we see how she's trying to kind of like stand on her own she's planning this trip with rosalie yeah with Rosalie, yeah, to Italy. Um, but then we see her when Tony brings this coat, and she's kind of ignoring him, right? Because he's been a dick. Yeah. And as per usual, she like jumps up when he shows her the coat. Yeah. And I think it is kind of a symbol of maybe her like domestic. I don't know, like something about like kind of being a domesticated animal, right? Like she's wearing this coat. They have sex. She's like totally enveloped in this coat we see tony later like when he's at the fbi office being put in that cage in the fbi like in that like yeah temporary prisoner cage um so i think it just kind of shows her like i don't know her appreciating her domestication in some way right and then she and she has that conversation with meadow right being like your father uh like has given his life for you guys right and which kind of echoes what tony was saying like it it was an interesting thing for carmella for this episode to kind of flip into because she hasn't really been on that page yeah for a bit so there was so there was for me something to do with the coat and i forget where we see what we have with carmella next season to be honest well there's things coming up that like build on that so i think that they're establishing something new because i think that that's like one of the tragic flaws of her character yeah that she can be bought off yeah. And we do start to see that, you know, time Even and time Tony again. says, like, in, in his fever dream, he's like, you still like your coat? Like, yeah. it's this, like, it's almost like, it's it's also, like, almost like the leather coat, right? It's, like, right. something that's, like, 
symbolic of something larger. Yeah. Um, and who wants a big fur coat anyways? I know. There's also there's something that's just like, yeah, I mean, so unnecessary in terms of like the violence against animals or something for something <laughs> well, like that. Well, it's also excessive. interesting because we know that Tony does love animals. Right. Right? So that's also interesting for him. I don't know. There's something there. I can't quite... Yeah. But I, again, like I said, like something about the like symbols that we've seen about animals yeah. that represent like like the ducks, for example, mm-hmm. that represent this like domesticity um, and being kind of trapped, being, right. you know, like that's a way Tony's able to kind of contain her where he wasn't able to contain the ducks. They were too, they weren't domestic enough. Interesting point. Yeah, because I mean, it is like kind of showing like the, you know, championship of like human beings over animals or something when you can make a wear coat a coat out of, out, of, out of their skin and you know we talked about even going back to the very first episode the ducks you know i mean i think this show does kind of analyze and they do kind of give you an answer much more so than they do later on mm-hmm. but you know they talk about like you know you're afraid of your family leaving but we also talked about in the very beginning this aspect of tony does not have control over nature Right. And that there's like a power dynamic there. But he'd like to. But he would like to. Yeah, I feel like he wants to be in control of everything and he Mm -hmm. can't. So that's maybe like an attempt to Mm -hmm. kind of like I don't know how fish like fit into that. Yeah. You know, because fish are animals. Well, I think it's just like expanding. I mean, it's just like it's nature. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, on land or in the ocean. I think that it's kind of representing a lot of the same things. So I wanted to also talk about Pussy and his kind of like, you know, I mean, we... Maybe we see him come back in dream sequences, but, you know, Pussy's dead. Seems it. Um, <laughs> he's pretty dead. Um, there's That must have been very heavy for them to lug his body into the ocean. Um, and... Yeah, there's some, ki- there's some plot holes, maybe. Like, we were talking about while we were watching, like... Um, wouldn't Angelie, Angelie, Angie, Angie, um, like, wouldn't she be skeptical, skeptical, right? Like the last time she saw pussy, he was like being Silvio and Tony, like show up and take him out. Yeah. And yet at the same time, I feel like he's probably so in and out of that house and doesn't explain what's happening. I mean, I'm sure that Angie, when he never comes home, would talk to Tony and tell him be like, what happened? And they would have some story and Mm -hmm. it would have to be somewhat believed. I also really like the way Pussy says Papa Dumps. Papa Dumps. He's like, we both had the Papa Dumps. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you don't hear, you hear these Italian guys, you know, they're saying all these Italian slang words, but you don't hear them say Papa Dumps very it's true. often. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a pretty, that's a scene that's pretty powerful. Like, even, and, and Sopranos does this for you again and again. You, you are, you, as a viewer, you are kind of like soothed into thinking like, oh, maybe it'll all be fine. Yeah. You know, like maybe they won't kill him. Right. Maybe, you know, because yeah. he says like, I didn't tell them anything important. Like, yeah, um, only these little things. Right. But it's been a year and a half. I thought it was interesting a year and too. A half, he, yeah. It comes out that, you know, he talked about the, the tickets, the bust out with the Scatino thing. Yeah. And also it was interesting that he says that, 
you know, he brought up rabistics, which is a big deal for Tony, and that really gets to him. But that links into that scene that we talked about in the previous episode where he meets with Chris, and Chris just outlines the entire operation to him, and you know that he's wearing a wire. Right. Well, well, we also have that scene in the ending montage. I forgot that. They go to the... um, uh, they have an empty shot of the office, the stock office. Right. I forgot that. Right. But anyways, yeah, so pussy. Which full circle, que sera because the first step, uh, scene of the whole season was uh, Chris replacement, basically like taking the stock right. exam. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, it's so it's interesting, right? Like we see, we really see Pussy's arc in this season. Yeah. We don't know him that well in season one. Yeah. Um, and so we see kind of how, you know, his decisions and whatever um, impacted the mob, but also impacted his family. Yeah. I mean, eventually we'll see how that impacts his family. Yeah. One thing that I thought was really effective, um, this episode, so this episode is directed by John Patterson, who directs maybe, I mean, like pretty much all of the um, season finales. Right. And... I think he goes back, he goes way back with David Chase. And so, like, David Chase had, you know, felt like they had an understanding of each other and their styles. So, you know, he was confident in giving him these finales. Also, you know, David Chase was actually involved with writing this episode with Todd Kessler. Mm -hmm. But there's a few things, like the shakiness of the camera on the boat. Yeah. um, I thought that was, yeah, really interesting. And tied into a couple other scenes in this episode and some others. Like, there was also, when Tony was sick with food poisoning, the sideways disorienting Mm -hmm. camera angles, Mm -hmm. which really reminded me of the shots in Isabella, the penultimate episode from season one, which that led to a lot of major events, like that disorienting, um, depressed time for Tony. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was interesting that this time where he's sick and now having these fever dreams, and then we lead to, you know, these realizations and then these, like, major plot points and Mm -hmm. developments. Um, we also have a, a just in, I mean, we're kind of on a tangent, but just in terms of the camera angle stuff, we also have AJ using a video camera at Meadow's graduation party. Right. And we see it kind of like through his point of view. And, yeah. then, and that's when that montage kind of starts to jump in, right? Yeah. So it almost kind of like takes us into a different camera lens or something like that. Um, but I just have one more thing about Pussy before mm-hmm. we yeah. go on from that. Um I like how in his last scene with Skip, right, after the um, after the dinner, he meets with Skip. And they're talking about, like, you know, he's like, I know guys who have gone on to be really successful. Yeah. Like, this one guy became the garbage and waste commissioner yeah. in a small Florida town. small city in Florida or whatever. Yeah. And so, I, for me, that's one of those hints. It's like, no, like, there's nothing good for pussy that's going to come of this, right? Right. Like, um, it's still all the same. Like, the best that he could hope for yeah. is the same old trash. Right. You know? Um, it's Again, it's kind of that impossibility of escaping, right? Yeah. So, like, whether they kill him that episode, whether it was a while off, whether he, yeah. you know, ends up going to jail for a bit and then he's in the witness protection, like, it's not good. No. It's, it's not good. It's not. Well, the philosophy of the show is not that optimistic yeah I mean, we actually, it's all we have, a big nothing well, everything have, is black <laughs> i also wrote that down like yeah and you know and then carmela saying that's your mother talking which it literally is yeah i mean that big nothing really starts to come back and also that idea of everything is black actually that really i mean made me think about the final episode mm. you know the big nothing but literally to say everything is black mm-hmm. 
it's yeah it's something to think about and it can kind of like link this to the final scene at holston's and, mm-hmm. and that last episode i thought it was interesting too like the fact that he's getting uh, food poisoned by the indian food well probably not the yeah. shellfish <laughs> but even that first scene like just looking at them how out of place they look yeah in that environment like we don't see these characters in places like that and then you know carmela getting upset AJ saying there better be coke left in that fridge as you know like that will be the remedy yeah that's like the antidote to yeah. this thing and also you know like Tony Tony's kind of like <laughs> racist tirades about Indian food you know yeah. that even Melfi references um, yeah it's interesting that they really are this like kind of like very quintessential Americanized family yeah and that like the coke is the <laughs> the solution to this you know thing that is poisoning yeah well, and Dr. Cusimano, who comes over and has, like, nothing helpful to say. Yeah. He's like, anywho, I'll get yeah. it. And I'm like, oh, that's the kind of guy who would say anywho. Right. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, no, I think it's interesting with the Indian food. Like, um, like you were talking about his, his racistness. But it was interesting in terms of two other images, too. So when Artie comes over and is talking, they're talking about his food poisoning. Yeah. He brings up like the way that they cremated Gandhi, right? So we have these two images of like bodies on fire, right? We have Tony kind of like self-immolating. Yeah. Right? In the first dream. Right. And then we have this imagery of Gandhi being burned. Indira Gandhi, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um so Through, with clarified butter. Yeah, with ghee. <laughs> um so I don't know what that kind of symbolizes, right? Like that was just but the fact that it came up, like yeah. burning bodies came yeah. up twice in an episode stood yeah. out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Tony in one of the dreams, the one, this, the one where he's uh, with Melfi for the second time, mm-hmm. and um, he's wearing the wife beater kind of thing, yes. like the tank top. Yes. In the. Um, yeah, that's what I meant by in tank. I was like, in tank. What do I mean by creaking in Melfi's office in tank? Right. But I meant tank top. Right. So yeah, where he's in the waiting room, I thought it was interesting, like the way that they framed it. You could see the um, picture that's referenced very early on in the series too. The one that he calls like a core shock test. Mm-hmm. The one where he says, "Why is there that rotting tree?" So you know, they actually reference the rotting tree at least the way he sees it, within his own subconscious. Like, he has placed that in the waiting room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there is kind of, like, you know, there is this something is rotting in his life at that point while he's trying to figure out the situation with pussy. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, like, the things in his subconscious that are true yeah. about that. So, like, especially when pussy is the fish, right? I think that's when we get kind of the most stuff, right? Yeah. Like, he says, like... You know, like, you know, I've been working with the government. You passed me over for promotions. Like, what what else was I going to do, right? Yeah. Um. So I don't know how Tony would have, like, intuitively known that. Right. Or his subconscious somehow knew it. Um, it's, it's really, yeah, yeah, it was interesting. And then he dumps all the fish all over the floor. Right. Yeah. Um. I, I, yeah. I mean, I thought... The form of this episode is pretty fascinating, too. Like, when I recall this episode, for me, the focal point is them killing pussy. Right, but it happens so early in the episode. It happens, like, halfway through the episode. Yeah. You know, and there's so much that happens after, you know, with the... 
the ticket, the graduation, there's, there's a lot. And it's, um, it's just like, it, again, it's fascinating that, first of all, in the final episode of a season, they spend so much of it dealing with dreams, mm-hmm. things that don't necessarily or <laughs> that do have a lot to do with things, but seemingly wouldn't. So, you know, with these kind of like brief sojourns into the subconscious, that's not typically what a show would do for the first time in their final episode of a season. Yeah, we've had dreams before, but not like this. They're definitely expanding on. And this is, you know, are some of the most memorable in the whole series. Yeah. We have a similar um, when, I forget which dream it is, but when Syl is going by, like it feels like it looks like Tony's walking on like a moving sidewalk. And, like, Syl's kind of, like, floating by him. Yeah. Um, it reminded me of the other dream with Christopher. Right. Um, like, yeah. his dream. So it's interesting how, like, even though we all dream differently, like, there is this, like, common kind of weirdness or imagery. Yeah. That's Well, and I think also, it. like, we talked about this in that episode, but this aspect of these characters just kind of, like, being pulled along. Like, mm-hmm. they're on a ride or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like that filming technique is really successful. Yeah, and it's so eerie. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting too. So like, the like the imagery of money at the very end. So yeah. talking about where he's talking like to Dave Scatino, game. and Eric says, you know, we're it's a money pinch. So even though he got into Georgetown, he can't right. go. And we talked about in in the episode this season that features uh, Eric and Meadow, you know, pretty prominently, how Eric is actually a very like talented kid with a lot going for him and yet he does not end up in the same place as meadow a lot is taken away from him and he's not privileged to be able to access the same things yeah as a result of tony's actions but it's interesting how that's contrasted with people like handing envelopes of money to meadow at the party yeah there's a lot of shots of like people just kind of giving her money yeah and then focusing on you know the collateral damage, the impacts of Tony's actions in the series so far, you know, with Dave Scatino and Hillel and the calling cards and yeah. all these things in that last scene, but to kind of have those things playing off of each other. Yeah. The other thing I found with Davey that was interesting was this, like, that he's going out west. Yeah. 30 minutes from Vegas to work on a ranch, like, to basically be a cowboy. Right. And he says that to Tony, and then he asks, and, like, Tony feels like he's in control of this situation, yeah. right? Like. Um, you know, like he's destroyed this guy, basically. Yeah. He's gotten what he needed out yeah. of it. Um, but when, when Davey asks Tony, like, oh, do you ride? Yeah. Tony's like kind of like put, like put off his game a little bit. He's yeah. like, oh no, I, I yeah. don't. Um, and we know that Tony really values like that kind of masculinity, right? Like that kind of like cowboy. Oh, interesting. Um, masculinity. I think like. We, you know, we'll see Tony in other times watching cowboy movies and stuff like that. Um, I mean, right. we, we know that things probably... Maybe the seed was planted for his, like, in- masculine insecurity. Yeah, well, I don't know. Like, I think there is something... Like, he was put off by that in some way. Now, yeah. I don't think we're going to see, you know... Do we ever see Davy again? Is he going to be successful living 30 minutes from Vegas well, as, and Tony as a picks gambler? Up, right? Yeah, he's, he's like, like, oh, Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, yeah. You know. Also, there was another thing there, too, where Davy specifically mentioned, he's like, you should come out. It's an easy flight. And then the last thing he says to him is like, I think it's drive safe, 
Which I thought was interesting because I, I feel like it was an aspect of him not listening to him. Mm. Like that he, I don't know, assumed that he was driving or something. Mm. Like he's just like not all there in terms of where other people are. Like he right. lacks empathy and he, he lacks driving, interest. Did, did he say he was driving there? Yeah. He meant like Tony could fly. No, but he, we well, he didn't say it, but we see him packing up his car and driving away. It's like all packed on top. That's right. Yeah. Well then. Good thing we have you here to keep me on track. <laughs> yes, I'm always such a source of exact Sopranos moments knowledge. and, you know, people's names and stuff. That's my strong suit, Yeah, as none, everyone none, knows. <laughs> nonetheless, I still think that Tony does lack empathy. I mean, <laughs> and he, does, he, he shows not a that good in other listener, ways. Yeah. But great point. You're right. Davey is driving. We do see that. Yeah. And yet... <laughs> We'll just leave, we'll leave this season with me just, you know, going out on, mm. going out on that note. I also, just a few little things from this episode <laughs> yeah. that I thought were funny. Yeah. Um, the reference to Polly's Christmas letter that he sends out every year. I know. Right? That's great. I thought that was great because he's like, why would I, like, why would I dream that about him? Like, why would I kill him? He's my right. biggest earner or whatever. Like, yeah. he does do little things that annoy me, like right. sending out his Christmas letter. I <laughs> thought that was really good. I know. Um, again, the way that Pussy says Papa Dumps, it's really good. Um, that is good. And we see Barbara. We do see Barbara. For a second. Very exciting. A rare so, sighting. A rare Barbara rare sighting. A rare Barbara sighting. And... Who won't let Livia come live with her. Yeah. Poor Livia. Um, uh, what's the music that... So we ha- we only have, like, a little bit of music in mm-hmm. this episode. So that's one thing I was yeah. thinking of just as a yeah. final kind of thing. Um, we have the Rolling Stones song yeah. twice. We have it at the yeah. beginning and at the end. We have Frank Sinatra singing Bobbles, Bangles, and Beads when Pussy's about to be shot. That's why I was going to ask you what that silly music was. Yeah. Which I believe might be from the collaboration with, like, Antonio Carlos Jobim or something. Maybe, okay. I think. But, um, yeah, doing kind of, uh... Oh, and we have Free Fallen. Brazilian arrangements. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what, like, the meaning, like, again, the... At least both of those two, the free falling and the baubles, yeah, whatever you just said, yeah. the, the Frank Sinatra <laughs> song, that was music. That was music that was taking place within the episode. The Rolling Stones song is non-diagenic or what? Diade- diagetic. Uh, diagetic, <laughs> if I could speak properly. Um, so I don't know the meaning of having the episode like opening and closing with that, right? And, like having it go over a montage. It's not something we typically see in The Sopranos. No, it is kind of like, yeah, an elevated feeling. Yeah, you know, it's an elevated kind of technique than what we're used to with this show. I mean, I think there is enhan- you know, there is heightened drama in this, you know, final episode of mm. the season, and I think that it's reflected. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can't wait for season three. Alex is excited. He got a new. Oh. Mm. Got a new audio interface. A so new audio interface. You stay tuned. Tune into the next episode because it's going to sound completely different. You'll be able to tell very marginal upgrades in our sound quality. Right. If you've been listening to this podcast and you were thinking, I love what they're saying, but the audio quality of their voices is just not quite there, then yeah. tune in for the rest of In at the End because it'll blow you away with its yeah. marginal increase we're, in we're sound so, quality. We're so dedicated to this podcast yeah. <laughs> that, you know, we're not, Alex won't be using it for anything else. No, just this. That's yeah. why I got it. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. And loved Funhouse. And we'll see you next time. I don't think we ever said what episode we were talking about. We're talking about We're talking about Funhouse. Fun <laughs> season 2, episode 13. Yeah. Next, season 3. Bye.